Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Hope everyone is having a wonderful day, a wonderful week so far. Okay, we're going to talk about pushback today. We're going to talk about Southwest. We're going to talk about mass protests against vaccine mandates, but we're also going to talk about celebrities like Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, um, putting out their unpopular opinions in a way that I think is super productive. Maybe not in the way that we would on this podcast, but in a way that I still think is super helpful to society. And I want to start with Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle because um, we're going to go from talking about um, Southwest and the mass protests that we are seeing and the pushback that we're seeing against vaccine mandates uh, into talking about Christian liberty and how Christians should be talking about the vaccine vaccine mandates. And I think that's a good place to end. So let's start by talking about Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle. The pushback that I'm talking about is not having to do anything with COVID. Now, Joe Rogan has been outspoken. He posted this awesome video that I don't think that we ended up playing on this show. There were a couple of videos that he put out. One was a clip from his show. The other one was one that I saw that he shared maybe on YouTube, but I saw it on Instagram saying, hey, that when you push people to the point of making them feel like they are dealing with some kind of ultimatum to either take this medical treatment or be able to provide for their family, that is a form of tyranny and totalitarianism. And if we don't hold on to the foundational values upon which this country was built, we're going to lose all of it. We're going to lose the freest republic in the world. So I highly recommend you going to his Instagram page and watching that video, but that's not the pushback that I'm talking about today. I am talking about the recent statements that both of them have made in regards to gender and transgenderism. You've probably seen this story about Dave Chappelle circulating. Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special, The Closer, is getting a lot of attention. It's getting a lot of criticism, at least from a small group of very loud people, uh, from transgender Netflix employees and people on social media and people in the liberal media, because in it, he says a few things. One of the things that he says is gender is a fact. And what he means by that in context is that male and female biology is a fact. Now, there's been a redefining of gender to be something that is separate from sex, that some people say, okay, biological sex is male and female, but gender is something independent from that. Gender is how you express yourself, which may not be male or female. Obviously, we completely reject that, that idea that gender identity is something that is malleable, something that is detached from biological sex was an idea that was originated by someone named Dr. John Money, who we have talked about extensively on this podcast, who ended up being a perverted pedophile who hypothesized that you could choose your gender. He experimented on a young boy, um, that he told uh, he told the parents to raise raise him like a girl will give him something that looks like female anatomy and call him Barbara he'll be fine well he and his twin brother ended up not only being experimented on by this perverted doctor John Money but uh, they also ended up both committing suicide as adults and that's a long story you can go back and listen to a previous episode that I did on that so I reject this new idea this newfangled gender that is separate from biology there might be different expressions that uh, that a man chooses to manifest he might be he might like things that are known as more traditionally female or feminine 
a woman might like things or dress in a way that is more traditionally masculine, that's all well and good. That's fine. But that does not erase the fact that there are two genders as well as two sexes. Gender and sex are interchangeable. This idea that you can identify something other than your biology There may be a long philosophical history to something like that, but it's bunk science. It's junk science. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially when it starts imposing on people's language, uh, their privacy, and our understanding of reality, and even tries to influence scientific data and scientific literature itself. We'll talk about a little bit more about that in just a second, but Back to Dave Chappelle, what he means, again, when he says gender is a fact in his special is that male and female biology is a fact. He says every single one of us uh, got here by being pushed through a woman's legs. He says that is a fact. Now, I have some pushback on that. That's not completely true. Some babies are cut out of a woman's abdomen, but the point stands. We all come from a uterus, uh, from the only kind of person that has a uterus, which is a woman. He talks about J.K. Rowling, who uh, he says that she was called a turf, a word that he says that transgender people make up to win arguments. It means trans exclusionary radical feminist. He says that he is on team turf, like he's on her team. He says that uh, women feel, and of course, this is a joke with a little bit of seriousness in it, as most uh, jokes are. He says that women feel about transgender people what black people feel about blackface. He says that they are, um, it, it's like the women are being impersonated without actually having gone through any of the struggles and the experiences that girls do growing up, which, I mean, that's that's true. They don't have any of the experience that girls Uh, that girls have growing up, and those experiences are important. That's not reducing girls to having a period, but let's not act like that part of being a girl isn't an important part of the female experience. It is. But if you actually watch the special, he is very sympathetic toward transgender people. He talks about a friend who identified as transgender who committed suicide. Um, He just says, basically paraphrasing, look, uh, you can identify as trans, but that doesn't legitimately make you the opposite sex. Uh, He also talks about how a rapper called DaBaby uh, was canceled. The cancel mob came after him because he said some mean things, legitimately mean things about gay people at a concert. But a few years ago, a few years before that, he literally murdered a guy at Walmart in North Carolina and he suffered no consequences, no career consequences because of that. So Chappelle says, in our society, you can kill a person and you're fine, but if you offend a gay person, if you hurt a gay person's feelings, it's over, which is a funny point. It's a funny point. Um, well, all of that, particularly the trans stuff, got him in hot water as he knew what happened. He even talked about that on the special. Glad tweeted, quote, Dave Chappelle's brand has become synonymous with ridiculing trans people and other marginalized communities. Uh, negative reviews and viewers loudly condemning his latest special is a message to the industry. The audiences don't support platforming anti-LGBTQ diatribes. We agree, except actually the reviews for the special are really good. Like if you look at Rotten Tomatoes, the the so-called critics have a low rating, but the audience has a really high rating. Variety tweeted, 
Quote, hashtag Dear White People showrunner, I guess that's a show, Jacqueline P. Moore announced Wednesday she would be boycotting Netflix over Dave Chappelle's transphobic news special. She opened up to Variety's Mark Malkin about why she's taking a stand against the dangerous rhetoric. Now, I'm using Variety's terminology, but just to be clear, because I think clarity and honesty are really important, this is a man, this person who says that um, he is boycotting Netflix over this. This is a man who identifies as a woman who just a few months ago, you can look back on his Instagram, just a few months ago, dressed like a man, completely like a man, and now has grown out his hair and wears makeup and jewelry and is now saying, Um, things like this, quote, I never loved Dave's trans material before, but this time it felt different. More told Variety, this is the first time it felt like, oh, people are laughing at this joke and they're agreeing that it's absurd to call me a woman. And it's interesting to go look at all of the comments under that tweet. And all I have to say to that is, well, I I don't know, like, I don't know what you how you want someone like him or how you want people to respond. But this is also like this is the exact situation that Chappelle talks about in his special that now all of a sudden white people now get more oppression points and social capital than black people by claiming to be the opposite sex and then accusing people like Chappelle of punching down. That's something that he talks about a lot in the special, how he's accused of punching down when he makes these jokes. So this person has lived his whole life as a white male. And now, because in the past few months, he started wearing a makeup and a dress, he evokes more sympathy than a black man. Now, for the record, I don't think either of these people are oppressed in the slightest, but it's definitely illogical to all of a sudden shed tears for a person who just a year ago was living their life as a white man and now is claiming oppression because he changed how he dresses. And just a note, on the pronouns, we have a policy on this show and just in general um, to assert that biology is not bigotry. Biology is not bigotry. I do not use he to talk about a man because I want to be purposely inflammatory or because I want to be purposely offensive. Um, We call people, we have always called people by particular pronouns according to their sex, at the very least, secondary sex characteristics. Now, if a transgender person legitimately looks like the opposite sex, most people are not going to go out of their way to call them him or to call the person him if he looks like a woman. It all gets so confusing. But I think that we have to own up to the fact or we just have to recognize the fact that especially if a person, a man who identifies as a woman, doesn't look like a woman, it's very difficult to force everyone to bend not just their language, but their understanding of reality to try to appease you. That's part of what it seems like from my interpretation Dave Chappelle is talking about. And look, he is not some conservative by any means, but I do think that he plays a very important role here in simply pointing out what's obviously true to a world that has been deluded, bullied into believing that you can't say that the sky is blue or two plus two equals four or that only women give birth. Like something we all knew was true 10 years ago that wasn't even mildly controversial, even though there were people who considered themselves transgender, they probably didn't necessarily call themselves transgender then. Like it was just known that even if people wanted to live a certain way, even if people wanted to dress a certain way, even if they wanted to change their name, even if they had a circle of people who changed their pronouns for them, 
This wasn't something that we were forcing on the rest of society to redefine what it means to be human. I mean, that's really what's going on is redefining what it means to be human and what it means to um, be able to bring forth life. Like this is really fundamental stuff that is getting pushed in our faces and is getting forced upon people. Um, And it's not just that we have to now respect how people identify or accept how they want to dress, okay, it's not even that we only um, are expected to change our language, which I think that that's too far, but it's not only that, we are actually being expected to, again, change our definition of what a woman is. And as women, we have to be totally cool with having our worlds turned upside down by using gender-neutral terms about some of the things, some of the things that make us special. Birthing people, chest feeding, people with periods. We have to pretend that these unique experiences, which are part of what make us female, what are, are part of what makes us women. They're not the only things that make us women, but they are essential parts of what make us women. We have to pretend that that's just open to everyone and not just women, that it's not special to us, that it's just a human experience to start your period and to be able to get pregnant and and have kids and all of these things. And I understand that there are different disorders in which maybe a woman wouldn't have a period or she's not able to have children or some women just don't have children. I'm not saying that's everything that makes you a woman, but it's certainly part of what makes you a woman. Biology is an essential part of womanhood and of manhood as well. Um, We have to suddenly be okay as women with women and girls sharing locker rooms and bathrooms with men and boys. Like I'm not seeing this pushed upon men, by the way. Like there's not this debate on the other side of this, but we have to be okay with not just sharing locker rooms and soccer teams and bathrooms, apparently, with men who identify as women. Um, But we also have to be okay with women sharing prison cells with male convicted sex offenders who now all of a sudden say that they are women. That's happening in places like Washington and California. That's not just some hypothetical situation. There was this terrible story, actually, that I saw um, that the Daily Wire reported. Luke Rosiak reported for the Daily Wire that in Loudoun County in Virginia, where they're having all of these very intense school board meetings about things like CRT, about things like you know radical transgender policy, And uh, one of the debates that was had over the summer, it was actually covered up that a few weeks before that, a 16-year-old girl, actually I think she was 15 at the time, she reported that she was raped by a boy in her class that identified as gender fluid. And because he identified as gender fluid, he was able to go into the girl's bathroom. And she reports that she was raped by this boy who identified as gender fluid. Well, the dad came forward and said, hey, this happened to my daughter and uh, like something needs to be done about this. This actually matters. And he was actually told by a school official that uh, a, a female school official that she didn't believe his daughter. So it's believe all women until it gets inconvenient with the different intersectional points when it comes to people who identify as gender fluid. That's apparently the top of the oppression pack that no matter what you know to be true, no matter what you accuse these people of, it it just, I don't know, it just slides off them like Teflon uh, because that's the new world that we live in where we have to deny reality, we have to deny right versus wrong to try to acquiesce this small group of people. It doesn't make sense. 
So everyone else has to bend their speech, their privacy, their knowledge of reality to people who are denied the reality of male and female. And by the way, I just want to say, this does not... Um, this does not represent everyone who identifies as transgender. Like, I think that the people who truly struggle with gender dysphoria, which that is uh, a disorder, it's a rare disorder, but it's a disorder. People who truly struggle with it, with gender dysphoria are not always, I would say not typically, most of the time are not the ones out front who are trying to say, yeah, you know, a naked man should be able to, you know, like the Wee Boss situation should be able to walk around naked in front of underage girls in the name of, you know, gender ideology. I don't think that this kind of radical activism and this kind of coercion that we're seeing uh, from the LGBTQ lobby necessarily represents the majority of people who struggle with gender dysphoria or even who identify openly as transgender. I think it's a small, loud group of people that know that they will get attention, they will get pats on the back, they will get some kind of you know, social capital, social rewards if they go against someone like Dave Chappelle, who is simply saying things that are objectively true. Um, but I think it's good. I, I think it's good that people like Dave Chappelle, who are not simply Christian conservatives, um, that they're out uh, pointing out the absurdity of all of this. And Joe Rogan is another person who has talked about this several times. He's had Abigail Schreier, who talks about rapid onset gender dysphoria among young girls in her book, Irreversible Damage. He has had her on. He has had Megan Murphy on. We've had both of them on. Megan Murphy got kicked off of Twitter. I think it was 2018 for simply saying that a man is a man. I disagree with both of those people about certain things. Certainly Megan Murphy, she is pro-choice. Like we disagree on some things, but they are both people who have stood up for reality and have stood up for women, have stood up for facts. And Joe Rogan has had both of them on his show before. And he posted just the other day on Instagram um, a picture of a segment of Healthline.com that says, quote, yes, it's possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. In fact, it's probably a lot more common than you might think. And his caption said, plot twist. Um, so I just, I just think it's funny. I, I, think it's, I think it's funny that there are um, people who don't consider themselves conservatives who are probably quite liberal in a lot of ways, uh, pointing, pointing out the ridiculousness of all of this. That article on Healthline, by the way, goes on to say that men who give birth have ovaries and uteruses and a vagina, aka they're women. Um, now, why I think it's good that people like this are pushing back against this attempt to rewrite human nature is because it gives other people cover. Um, and it's going to take people who are not just like me, Christian conservatives, um, questioning it. It gives people just in regular society who aren't in political media, who maybe aren't even religious like I am, to say, you know what? I, we see what human beings are. We're not going to completely rewrite all of the rules that we have known for all of human history everywhere in the world because some people want to, you know, want to bring upon us this Orwellian world in which two plus two don't equal four. Now, ultimately, for me, as we've talked about several times, and we won't 
get into all of the complexities of this. Um, this is this is biblical. Yes, it's scientific. Yes, it's obvious, but it's also biblical. Like this is a Genesis one issue that God made them male and female in His image. They He created them male and female. So again, that goes back to this is part of what it means to be human. It's part of what it means to be made in God's image. And I know people say, well, there's intersex people. Yes, there are intersex people. That is a very rare genetic anomaly or different kinds of hormonal anomalies that someone who is considered intersex, which is kind of an umbrella term, might be. But that doesn't change the fact that human beings are male and female. That That's just a That's just a fact. That's just a biological fact in the same way that, yes, there are some babies that are born with one leg, but that doesn't change the fact that human beings are bipeds. Like the exceptions don't rewrite the rules, especially biological rules. Um, And by the way, it's not just Genesis 1 that talks about male and female. This is reiterated throughout scripture. Jesus reiterates it in Matthew 19. So it's, again, not just a biological fact, but it's a biblical reality that is reiterated over and over again and originated by the God who created us. And if anything, if anyone gets the trump card, it's him. All right, we're going to talk about Southwest and pushback in this regard in just one second. First, I've got to tell you guys about our first sponsor for the day. That is Annie's Kit Clubs. So Annie's Kit Clubs are a fantastic way to build lasting memories with your kids while encouraging their creativity. They send all the special supplies and instructions you need for your kids to make something awesome. So kids arrive, kits, not kids, kids don't arrive in your mailbox, but kits arrive arrive in your mailbox once a month. That would be really troubling. I promise you I wouldn't have that sponsor on my show. Kits arrive in your mailbox once a month and are super convenient. Annie's Kit Clubs for children are designed so that your kids can make them on their own, but they're also a great opportunity for the family to spend quality time together, especially with Annie's Creative Woman's Club, which I've talked about as well. You can get your own craft and you can craft with your kids. The kids kit clubs have the Young Woodworkers Kit Club, Sins Kids, Real Hammer and Nails Construction Kits. They even include real tools starting with a kid-sized hammer. Annie's also has Creative Girls Club, which sends a variety of projects and introduces your girls to new crafts with every shipment. Each month, she'll receive two fun kits with different crafts like painting, beading, and more. Make new memories and encourage your kids to be creative. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 75% off your first shipment. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Okay, let's talk about Southwest. We touched on it a little bit at the beginning of yesterday's show. Yesterday's show, I was with Chris Rufo. We talked about critical race theory in schools and how Biden's Department of Justice is mobilizing the FBI against concerned parents, what that means, how you should respond as a parent in light of that, why all of us parents or not should care about that. So go listen to yesterday's episode if you haven't. But um, we talked a little bit about Southwest at the beginning. And now that I have more details and I've talked to some of you who work for Southwest, I feel like I can fill in the gaps a little bit. Um, so you may have seen over the weekend the news reports and the tweets about about 2,000 flights, Southwest flights, that were canceled in a matter of a couple days. Uh, the videos that we saw were of airport chaos. I mean, it was madness. People weren't able to book other flights. They couldn't find hotel rooms. I mean, it just looks awful. There's truly, there's nothing more stressful. I mean, there are probably a few things, but there are a few things more stressful than being stranded in an airport. It looks awful. I really feel for anyone who was affected by this. Like I said yesterday, I was traveling this weekend. And even though 
you know, I, I mean, I was just, I was just thankful. I, I was thankful that I wasn't affected by it, but I really do sympathize for all of you who were affected by it because it's, it's just the worst. But I've also talked to a lot of you who were affected and you say that because of what we're about to talk about, you're actually okay that you had to be inconvenienced. And what I, what I mean by that is that there were bits of info that started circulating on Twitter that turned into a narrative. And that narrative is that Southwest employees walked off the job in mass to protest vaccine mandates that Southwest recently announced that all employees must be vaccinated by December 8th. I've actually seen the email from the CEO talking about this and saying that everyone must be vaccinated by December 8th. I just think that's odd. I mean, that's right before Christmas. We're talking about not just disrupting the lives of the people being fired. I mean, that sucks right before the holidays. But also think about the surge of travel that happens around the holidays. Just strange timing, right? Like, it's just it's just strange. Um, however, in response to that narrative that was circulating on Twitter, Southwest put out a statement saying this, quote, on Friday evening, the airline ended the day with numerous cancellations, primarily created by weather and other external constraints, which left aircraft and crews out of pre-planned positions to operate their schedule on Saturday. Unfortunately, the out-of-place aircraft and and continued strain on our crew resources created additional cancellations across our point-to-point network that cascaded throughout the weekend and into Monday. So the problem with this, with this statement, as many are pointing out, is that other airlines operating in the same places did not see mass cancellations due to weather. In fact, there weren't high numbers of cancellations at all on other airlines. Like they were saying specifically, Southwest was saying, oh, bad weather in Florida, you know, caused um, caused these cancellations, these specific cancellations in this region. But people living in Florida are like, what are you talking about? The weather was fine. Um, the union also representing Southwest Airline Pilots, uh, Southwest Airline Pilots Association, echoed that there was no official walkout. They said this, quote, SWAPA is aware of operational difficulties affecting Southwest Airlines today due to a number of issues, but we can say with confidence that our pilots are not participating in any official or unofficial job actions. How However, however, let me say in response to those two statements, reporter Alex Berenson reported something on his Substack that that was also affirmed by someone who wrote to me who works for Southwest. They both said um, that allegedly the union and Southwest had a really tense, uh, a bad negotiation a few years ago that ended in the union promising the pilots would not officially or unofficially do something like this, that they wouldn't just walk off the job. Tucker Carlson reported last night that it was a sick out, that pilots can't say it because of that, you know, promise that the union made that apparently maybe they don't even have to talk to each other about it. Um, But Tucker Carlson is reporting that they know 100 percent that pilots did call in sick and they did stay home. That was the reason for the cancellations. At the same time, one thing we do know is that there were a number of air traffic controllers in Jacksonville, Florida, who decided to walk off the job in protest of Joe Biden's vaccine mandate that requires them as federal employees to get the vaccine by next month. Um, I talked to a few of you who either work for Southwest or whose parents or your spouse works for Southwest, and the consensus, at least on my end, is is pretty clear because a lot of you 
didn't know everything that was going on. You didn't have like a whole lot of inside information. You're just piecing things together yourself. Um, There are lots of employees at Southwest who have not gotten the vaccine and who don't want to get the vaccine. But none of you who talked to me confirmed to me that this was a massive pilot sick out. Now, maybe I'm sure that, you know, Tucker Carlson has much deeper contacts than I do. And so I don't doubt at all that it's been confirmed to them. In my conversations, you guys did not confirm that to me. What I did hear is that lots of employees are filing for exemptions, but Southwest has already told you that um, the acceptance of those exemptions will be very rare. Some employees are holding out hope that Southwest is going to reverse the requirement, Um, but Southwest and all of these airlines are under immense pressure by the federal government, and I really feel, I really feel for I really feel for the employees because a lot of you have told me how much you love working for Southwest. Like the number one thing that Southwest says they look for is a servant's heart. And the employees, especially the pilots, have exemplified that for a long time. A lot of you guys really like the CEO. And um, you've told me that this just puts a lot of pressure on you, that this has been really stressful and that it's been really tiring for the pilots, which is not at all safe when you're thinking about like what they're operating. Being exhausted and being overly stressed like doesn't lend itself to safety at all. So again, if this were about people's health, would you really put this kind of stress on the thousands of pilots who apparently don't want to go along with this vaccine mandate. Um, So you're being put in a position of either getting a shot that you don't want or don't need or um, not being able to provide for your family. And, And there are many reasons why people wouldn't get the shot. Like you have strong antibodies, which are likely stronger than the shot, as we have talked about many times, the many studies that show that, in particular, a large pre-print, preprint study coming out of Israel. Maybe you have a history of vaccine injury, which is a real thing. You have some other condition that prevents you from being able to, um, to get not just this vaccine, but any vaccines. Maybe you have a sincere moral or religious qualm with this vaccine because it was researched using cell lines from aborted babies, which is not some conspiracy. It is actually true. Um, And faithful Christians disagree on the ethics of that. There are some Christians who I've heard ethical arguments that are persuasive both ways about getting vaccines that are um, that are that either the research or or the development involved fetal cell lines. Christians disagree on the ethics of that. But no Christian or any person should be forced to violate their conscience when it comes to something so serious, especially when it comes to a new vaccine. I know the RNA technology has been around for a long time. I am not anti. I, I'm not I'm not anti-vaccine. I hate even saying that. I'm so tired of like giving that caveat. I'm so tired of hearing people give that caveat because it doesn't actually matter. I can say all day long, I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm not anti-this vaccine. I can say that all day long. People are still going to call me an anti-vaxxer because I'm anti-forced vaccination. So it doesn't even matter. I should just stop even giving that caveat. But especially when it comes to something, even though the RNA technology has been around for a long time, like some people just still want to see more. They still want to see more research. They still want to see the side effects. They're looking at some of the numbers and they're saying, wow, I know a lot of people who have been fully vaccinated and uh, got sick. And I know everyone is saying that, oh, well, yeah, sure, they got sick. It's a leaky vaccine, whatever. They got sick, but at least they didn't get a serious case. But the numbers show they probably wouldn't have gotten a serious case anyway. So you don't actually know 
if the vaccine that they got really did stop the severity of the illness. You don't know. Maybe that's what it that's what the data seems to show that it does stop severe illness. But we don't know that everyone who gets COVID after getting the vaccine didn't get a severe case only because of the vaccine. If they're young and healthy, they probably wouldn't have gotten a severe case anyway. I want to dig into the Christian response to this. What I believe the Christian response to this vaccine mandates, the choice of vaccine, the vaccine itself should be. And we'll get there in just one second. I just got to tell you about our second sponsor for the day. You know them. You love them. It's good ranchers. You know, at this point, 80% of the grass-fed beef that is sold in grocery stores is imported from overseas. But if you care about supporting American industries, in particular, the farming industry, then you need to use good ranchers to get your meat. They've got better than organic chicken. They've got craft beef. It's all shipped to your front door, individually wrapped, vacuum sealed, on dry ice. You just go to goodranchers.com slash alley. You pick out the different cuts of meat that you want. You can get your ribeye. You can get your T-bones. You can get your uh, ground beef. You can get your pre-marinated chicken. Uh, chicken. It's chili lime. It's good. You can get your non-pre-marinated chicken. It shows up at your front door. You put it in your freezer. We bought it. We bought a new freezer specifically for our Good Ranchers meat. That's how much we love it and how important it is to us. And then when you're ready to cook it, you just thought and you cook it. It's just one less thing to think about during the week. It's one less thing to have to spend time on, you know, choosing in the grocery store. So you should check it out. It's really affordable. If you subscribe, you get that box of meat once a month. You save like 20% per box. Plus, if you use my link, goodranchers.com slash Allie or promo code Allie, you get an additional $20 off and free express shipping. So go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for that discount. That is goodranchers.com slash Allie. All right. So I have been kind of disturbed by the reaction that I'm seeing by professing Christians. Um, in response to people who have sincere qualms with this vaccine or hesitations about it, or you don't even have hesitations about it themselves, but they just don't like the vaccine mandates. And I've told you guys, in, in case you're wondering, like, I don't talk about my vaccine status. Like, even that phrase is so crazy to me because I think we should normalize not even say, like, I don't care. I, I don't care whether or not you're vac you're vaccinated because I think that it is your choice if it truly simply works to stop the severity of it or lessen the chances of death, which I do think that the data bears that out pretty well, uh, then I don't care. If you can still get it and transmit it to other people, then, I mean, I don't really care if you get the vaccine or not. You shouldn't care if I get the vaccine anyway. Um that has not been the response of some professing Christians. The fact that there are Christian influencers and pastors completely bypassing that reality that I just talked about and the reality of the fact that people have real hesitations, that they're not giving any credence to the hesitation that people have uh, because of the reasons that we just listed is truly grotesque to me. Like it is an area of Christian liberty that we as Christians should be so quick to honor. Like this should not be a left or right issue. You have professing Christians who are always so quick to poo-poo on Christians who they view as right-wing conspiracy theorists who are actually just people with sincere differences in belief, particularly when it comes to COVID measures and this vaccine. I mean, th these are the same people who would have been in Soviet Russia being like, you know, everything is probably fine. It's, you know, that person got arrested um, in the, you know, in the middle of the night. But, you know, they probably actually did something wrong. And then things just close in on them. And they're like, oh, we're living in a police state. Like, they're so 
they're they're so dedicated to being accepted by secular progressives that they will just absolutely try to make fun of and belittle and condescend their fellow Christians who have different views than them on things like the vaccine masks and things like that. It's the big evangelical complex. They're truly so embarrassed by so many people who agree with them on the gospel, but disagree with them on things like critical race theory or Trump or COVID. They're so desperate for approval of secular progressives, and they work so hard to distance themselves from conservative Christians whom they just deem as Christian nationalists and can't even define the term. It's super sad. Like, it's super sad. But this isn't the first time. Like, this should comfort us. I think it's super interesting. And it should also be a little bit comforting, I think. Should also be guidance for us. History tends to be that. Um, The fact that Christians have argued over vaccines before. If you go all the way back to the 18th century, you can learn about really fierce debates between Christians about inoculation. Founders Ministries has a great article by Ben Purves. Um, I think that's how you say his last name. Maybe it's Purves. Uh, on their website, detailing the disagreements between Christians during the smallpox e- epidemic of 1791 in Boston. So Cotton Mathers, he, uh, you know, was a Christian who learned about the process of inoculation from his slave, Onesimus, and Mathers became a huge fan, a huge promoter of this method. He convinced a doctor in the area to start taking the blood of a sick person and putting it into a small cut of a not sick person. And then what happened was the mortality rate from smallpox among those who were inoculated uh, went from 15% to 2%. So 15% of those who were not inoculated to 2% of those who were inoculated. Um, but there were also people who died from that inoculation. And most famously, the fire and brimstone preacher, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God, Jonathan Edwards. Edwards was a big believer in inoculation. He got it for smallpox and he and his daughter ended up dying because of it 30 years after Mathers and Onesimus developed and promoted the method. Um, Even though people could die from the inoculation, though, Mather's father, Increase Mather, very interesting names, um, did a lot of PR for it from the beginning. So back when the smallpox was breaking out in, in Boston, about 30 years before Jonathan Edwards died, there were people dying then too from the inoculation. But Increase Mathers argued that to not get inoculated is the same thing as breaking the biblical command to not murder. So this sounds really familiar. He argued that people who didn't get inoculated were followers of Satan. Take that, Big Eva. You guys are on the same side as the slaveholder when it comes to this vaccine stuff. That gets a little complicated. Um, however, uh, this article in Founders Ministries also notes, despite these tactics, uh, it is surprising to note that Increase Mather did not want anyone to receive inoculation contrary to conscience, but instead for them to be persuaded to change their mind. So actually, even Increase Mathering, uh, Mathers and uh, Cotton Mathers were a little bit more considerate and a little bit more logical when it came to this than some of the uh, uh, professing Christians are today when it comes to this. Uh, there were also pastors who argued 
that anyone getting the inoculation didn't trust God and were themselves not faithful Christians. Uh, The article says this, quote, in reading multiple sermons and letters from this period, opposing sides of the inoculation debate would manipulate scripture to advocate for their position, sometimes with both sides using the sixth commandment to argue their case. In contrast to these polar opposites were the voices that appealed to Romans 14 and viewed inoculation as an issue of the liberty of conscience. So the article includes this letter written by Pastor John Newton on June 3rd, 1777, quote, It seems I must write something about the smallpox, but I know not well what. Having had it myself, I cannot judge how I would feel if I were actually exposed to it. I am not a professed advocate for inoculation, but if a person who fears the Lord should tell me, I think I can do it in faith, looking upon it as an expedient which God in his providence has discovered and which therefore appears my duty to have recourse to, so that my mind does not hesitate with respect to the lawfulness, nor am I anxious about the event, being satisfied that whether I live or die, I am in that path in which I can cheerfully expect this blessing. I do not know that I could offer a word by way of dissuasion. He goes on to say, but if another person should say, My times are in the Lord's hands. I am now in health and am not willing to bring upon myself a disorder, the consequences of which I cannot possibly foresee. So they're saying, you know, if something happens to me because of the vaccine, like I don't want to take that risk. Uh, John Newton is saying um, that this person could go on to say, if I am to have the smallpox, I believe he is the best judge of the season and manner in which I shall be visited, talking about God, so as may be most for his glory and my own good. And therefore, I choose to wait his appointment and not to rush upon even the possibility of danger without a call. If the very hairs of my head are numbered, I have no reason to fear that. Supposing I receive the smallpox in a natural way, I shall have a single pimple more than he sees expedient. And why should I wish to have one less? So they understood then many, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, that or at least John Newton understood that this is an area of Christian liberty. Um, And of course, earlier when I was talking about some people being on the side of slaveholders, that was that was a joke because those a lot of people in Big Eva and the Big Evangelical Complex actually discount all of the theology and all of the uh, uh, all of the points by slaveholders from hundreds of years ago. I just think it's interesting that they're actually holding some of the same views on the um, sinfulness of not taking a vaccine as people that we know held slaves. Then I think that we should just all embrace the fact that history can be very complicated. But the point is that these um, these arguments have been had. Like these arguments have been had. I personally think that John Newton nails it, that there are different ways to look at this. Now, the fetal cell line does add another complicated layer, but I have heard arguments, persuasive biblical arguments from people like Al Mohler, persuasive biblical arguments from people like John Piper um, about that particular issue. And so I do believe that this is an area of Christian liberty and Christians should be so 
is so quick and, and so passionate about honoring that Christian liberty and should be so slow to say, if you get the vaccine, it's because you hate babies and you're not really a Christian and you don't trust God. Or if you do get the vaccine, or if you don't get the vaccine, it's because you hate, you hate your neighbor and you're not loving. Look, there are risks that you take every day that may or may not put your neighbor at risk. You take that risk every time you get into the car, especially if you're someone who has ever texted and driven. Now, if you have texted and you have driven at the same time, does that mean that you are a hateful person who doesn't love your neighbor? Maybe you were being reckless at that time and you shouldn't have done it. Um, But I mean, we all take risks every day and uh, most of us don't consider ourselves, you know, hateful people who don't love our neighbor because of risks that that we take. Um, And especially when it comes to this, when there's like, there's a downside, there is a possible downside. There are side effects that come with the shot. They may be rare. Some people argue based on the VAERS database that they're not exactly rare. I've even heard doctors say that, but there, there are risks that people have to consider. And to say that you have to take this risk or else you're not a good Christian or else you can't feed your family, that's criminal to me. That's so wrong. And that's why I think that Christians should be the first people as really the reformed Christian tradition shows us to be the first people to stand up for people's liberty. I mean, talking about loving your neighbor, why is it not loving your neighbor to stand up for their liberty, to not take a, you know, a, a shot that they don't want to take that maybe they don't even need? Why is that not a way to love your neighbor? I'm your neighbor. That's how you can love me. I'm your neighbor. You can love me by defending my liberty. I'm going to love other people by defending their liberty. I also don't want to get them sick. That's why I'm not going to be around people if uh, if I'm sick. And, um, and, you know, we can all make a decision about the vaccine if we want to take that. And we won't get into that all right now. But it is an area of Christian liberty. It should be an area of American liberty as well. It should be an area of civil liberty. Um, there are other people that are pushing back against this. Um, South, so Southwest Air Pilots, kind of circling back to that, the the union that represents them, according to Bloomberg.com, before this alleged sick out that happened that allegedly led to the cancellation of these flights, the Southwest Airlines company pilots asked the court to temporarily block the company from carrying out federally mandated coronavirus vaccinations until an existing lawsuit over alleged U.S. labor law violations is resolved. So we know from that that the unions are upset about this or that this particular union is upset. That means that a good number of pilots are upset about this. So it's not coming from out of nowhere, this idea that a lot of pilots are pushing back against this and might have possibly taken an action that disrupted the flights um, in Southwest. There are still there are NBA stars like Kyrie Irving who are refusing to get vaccinated and are speaking out against the mandates. Kyrie Irving um, can't play in, in the Brooklyn Nets home games because he hasn't gotten a COVID-19 vaccine. Apparently, he's standing strong about that. Um, and there, obviously we had Jonathan Isaac. He is, he plays for the Orlando magic. He has had COVID and he is saying that he doesn't believe in the mandates. There were a few other players that spoke out, um, against that. There are celebrities like Nicki Minaj who said, you know, people should have their own choice. They should have, uh, liberty when it comes to this. I, there was another, there was an actress who was the actress that was in, Black Panther, um, who also spoke out against the mandates. Let's see. Oh, uh, Letitia Wright. So, 
She apparently, you know, the media is saying that she was anti-vax, which I'm just now like pulling this up on DuckDuckGo right now. And so I don't know exactly what she shared, but she pushed back on the mandates and forced vaccinations and things like that. And I just wonder, like, how is the media squaring their criticism of anti-vaxxers with their constant push to elevate black voices because some of the loudest voices against vaccine mandates are black. So I, I, it's, it's just so strange. Like we've seen so much hypocrisy and I tweeted about this, uh, that the same people who want to elevate black voices when it comes to Black Lives Matter. They don't want to hear the black voices that are against the vaccine mandates. The healthcare for all folks want hospitals to deny service to the unvaccinated. The, quote, anti-racist crowd has nothing to say about vaccine passports disproportionately affecting black people because... Uh, because the majority of black people in the United States are not vaccinated. The bodily autonomy activists deny bodily autonomy when it comes to consenting to a medical procedure or at least not having an ultimatum when it comes to a medical procedure. They're only for bodily autonomy, I guess, when it comes to killing a baby. The defund the police people are eerily quiet about police force against dissenters in Canada and Australia who have been beaten for just peacefully protesting. The Speak Truth to Power politicians cheer on the big tech censorship of proven therapeutics and prophylactics and questions about mask mandates and things like that. The so-called anti-fascists have no problem with the obvious wedding of corporate and federal power. The, quote, pro-democracy advocates seem okay with the DOJ and the FBI coming after concerned parents when it comes to mask mandates and CRTs and things like that. The pro-worker Congress people have yet to publicly support the airline unions or speak out about the mass firing to the working class who they were all applauding a year ago as our healthcare heroes. I mean, it's crazy. Like we have seen, if there's one good part about all of this, we have seen a lot of hypocrisy be exposed. I've got one more ad for today. Um, and that is sell from the skincare brand Chamonix. Um, now, we talk a lot about on this podcast the importance of um, thanking God for the years that we have and for the life experiences that we have. We've talked about Botox on on this podcast before and how I think, you know, as much as we can, we should be committed um, to, you know, thanking God for our smile lines and things like that. I know easier said than done. Uh, you can ask me what I think 10 years from now when I'm 39 instead of 29. But it is also really important to take care of our skin. And there's nothing wrong with using products uh, that help us steward our bodies well. And Chamonix is one of those companies that is helping do helping us do that with their new technology, GenuCell. It is incredibly powerful. It's a natural serum with immediate effects. GenuCell is guaranteed to show results in as little as 12 hours. It just helps your skin look healthy. It makes, uh, you know, your skin have a little more plump to it. It reduces the appearance of bags and puffiness. If you're tired, I understand I've got an eye twitch right now because I'm so tired from the last 
few days and GenuCell can help you feel and look your best. Um, if you order now, you'll get 50% off all GenuCell packages, 50%. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Allie, lovegenucel.com slash Allie to save 50% off your purchase. That's lovegenucel.com slash Allie. All right, so that's all that we have got for today. Um, I'll just repeat what I said yesterday. Like this fight for liberty matters. This pushback for liberty matters. Keep on raising a respectful ruckus. I posted on Instagram some organizations that are helping uh, with legal help and financial help for those of you who need it. A lot of you ask me every day, what do I do? My job is mandating the shot. I don't want to work for a company that's mandating the shot or you don't want to get the shot yourself. And so you are looking for you're looking for help. I posted um, some of those organizations on my story. And so make sure you go look to them because I I linked or I tagged them. And so you can go check them out. Pacific Justice Institute, Liberty Council. Apparently, Apologia Church is helping out military who have gotten the boot because of this. ForUnitedSolutions.org, Family Research Council, um, Alliance Defending Freedom, I Can Decide, that's I-C-A-N, Decide. So there are um, OpposingMedicalTyranny.com. There are a few outlets that are pushing back against this or a few organizations. And so try to get in contact with them if you need help with this. Again, this has not very much to do with the vaccine itself for a lot of people. For some people, it does. It really has to do with personal choice and freedom. And I think it's really important that we stand together in solidarity on this. Gosh, especially from a Christian perspective, we should be the foremost advocates for Christian liberty and civil liberty. Um, All right. That's all I've got for today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about what's happening with the supply chains. Like, why are some grocery stores not not able to restock their food? Why aren't you able to get the supplies that you need to redo your bathroom the way that you have been saving up for and wanting to? Um, There are a lot of questions about that that I can't answer. Why are there so many shipping containers off the coast of California that aren't able to unload their ships. So we're going to talk to someone who is a logistics expert, who is a supply chain expert tomorrow. He's going to answer our many questions. Um, And then on Thursday, we've got a really interesting interview that I'm excited about that I'll announce tomorrow. All right. See you guys tomorrow.